grateful to you guys for joining to our this great call with a great scholar today our guest our outstanding speaker imam fadl soliman in brief i'm going to give a little bit introduction for for our scholar member of the international union of muslim scholars he is a member of rich board of scholars and imams he translated the quran to english with the 10 approved recitation is a manager of Bridges Foundation uh, for introducing Islam and training the Islamic preachers. First of all, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Imam Fadr Saliman. Wa alaikum, Assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Barakallahu fikum. Welcome, Akhi. I am really very honored to be speaking to the uh, Muslims of uh, South Korea. Barakallahu fikum. Barakallahu feekum. InshaAllah. People are really, uh, really, uh, we would like to, really want to listen to your khutbah, uh, Shaykh. It's great knowledge for us. InshaAllah. InshaAllah. Give me a second, InshaAllah. Alhamdulillah. Dear yeah. listeners, dear people who is watching or listening this one, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any questions, you can ask after the lecture. You can send your question uh, to us by you know commenting and by in a Zoom chat. You can ask it after our Sheikh finished uh, his lecture, and I'm going to be asking from him. Inshallah. I just wish wish all people can switch now to the live. Uh, you have put for them. Please put for them the uh, link of our live on YouTube, uh, so that they can switch now because there is a a video, and there are ayat of the Qur'an that will be posted on the screen that will not appear on uh, the Zoom. So please leave the Zoom. No, don't leave the Zoom. Stay open on the Zoom and go to the YouTube and watch me on YouTube, please. There's a four minutes video that you will not see on Zoom. Oh, that's great. Okay. Brother Mustafa, please stop sharing the screen and then also somebody should share the, the name and the main okay? Inshallah. Okay, let me start inshallah. Alhamdulillah was salatu was salamu ala rasulillah. Okay, so should I start now? Okay. All praises are due to Allah, the Okay. All praises are due to Allah, the creator, the sustainer, and the cherisher of this universe. And may his peace and blessings be upon his noble prophet, Muhammad, and his descendants, and his companions. Uh, dear respected brothers and sisters, and dear followers of uh, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, in South Korea and in Canada and everywhere in the world, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Everything that one does has to be beneficial. Uh, you enter into a restaurant to eat. If you are not hungry, then you won't enter into a restaurant. You enter a supermarket to buy your needs. Uh, if you don't need anything for your house or for yourself, then there is no point of entering a supermarket. You enter a petrol station or a gas station to buy fuel. But if your car has a full tank, then there is no point of entering a petrol station. Islam is by far the fastest growing religion in the world. So why do people enter Islam? Why do many people enter Islam every day? How do they benefit from entering Islam? Do they get paid any money? No. They actually pay money every year to the poor as they perform the zakah ritual. So why do they choose to enter Islam? I asked a friend of mine, an American 
who embraced Islam 20 years ago. What did you benefit from entering Islam? Why did you choose Islam? It deprived you from things that you used to enjoy. It deprived you from drinking alcohol, for example, clubbing. And why did you do that? And he said, I drank alcohol in the pursuit of happiness, but I was never happy. I was never comfortable. What really, really comforted me was finding the answers to my questions, the difficult questions, which I thought that they have no answers. When I studied many religions and many philosophies, but they always remained unanswered, I was about to be desperate. I was about to be uh, 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 depressed until I found Islam. The benefit was the comfort I got when my existential questions got answered. So what do you think these questions were? And how does Islam answer them? Let's watch this short clip. It's a four-minute video. But while watching this video, I want every one of you to imagine himself or herself to be Ahmed, this boy that appears in the video, the young boy who will fall asleep on the couch and then see a dream. I want you to imagine your feelings as if you were in the shoes of Ahmed himself. Okay? So let's start the video now. Bismillah. A dream. Waalaikum salam rahmatullah. You're just on time. The game is on. Did I miss more? No, no, no. It just started. You know Muhammad Salah is playing here next week? Really? Mm-hmm. Would you like me to buy tickets? Yes, please. Inshallah, I will. They are written by a human. There is no scientific proof that you are a medic. How can you know he is really injured? There is no scientific proof. Maybe he is just pretending. And the tools in this bag are not enough. How can you know that they are sufficient? There is no scientific proof. And what if you don't get paid after the match? Okay, then who am I then? You are anyone. If I'm not a medic, then who am I? 
Don't worry about that. Tell me who am I? What are my thoughts? Why am I here? Why am I wearing these clothes then? Just relax and enjoy your life. What is the bag in my hand? Maybe it was here by coincidence, by chance. So what will happen to me when a match is over? When the match is over, there will be nothing. Ahmed, Ahmed, why are you confused? Why are you hesitating? Go do your job. Okay, okay, I'll do my job. Goal, goal, did you see that? I can't see. Mohamed Salah, and this is the second in this match. And this is the second in this match. This is the small one. This is the small one. Please close your eyes and imagine that you just woke up to find yourself wearing a strange uniform, holding a strange blue hard plastic bag in your hand and standing in a stadium, not sitting with the spectators or the audience to watch a match. And you are not playing with the football players, no just standing outside the football field, wearing a weird uniform, carrying a weird bag in your hand. How can you describe your feelings? When I did that, I felt confused, perplexed, bewildered. Why am I here? What are these clothes? What's that freaking bag in my hand? And my American friend told me, that's exactly how I felt before Islam. What's the purpose of my life? Why am I here on planet Earth? Is there any purpose from my existence? And no one answered me, except the Quran. Ahmed in this video represents the human being. And the stadium represents this world. And the text which he found in his pocket represents the revelation, al-wahi, the Quran. His confusion could have never gone except after reading the text. The first card informed him about his job in this stadium a sports injury medic, a medic. And the Quran tells you what your job is, a khalifa, which simply put is the boss, the manager who is appointed by God to manage the earth. And where is this message? In Surah Al-Baqarah which is chapter number two, ayah number 30 in the Quran. Allah says, Inni fil ardi khalifa. I am appointing a viceroy in the earth. This viceroy means the, the, the manager. At the moment, Ahmed read the first card and learned about his job as a medic, the confusion and bewilderment started to decrease, but slightly. The next card told him his job description, which was to tend to any injured player or referee or uh, spectator. And the Quran told you the same thing. It told every human being that his job description as a Khalifa are four main tasks that are needed from him as a Khalifa, as the boss whom the creator of this world have appointed. And these four tasks are, number one, ibadah or worship. Worshiping is a combination between gratitude and love and obedience. Gratitude, love and obedience. The one who provides for you your needs, 
deserves that you thank him. You show gratitude to him and deserves that you love him because he's the one providing for you all your needs. And he deserves that you obey him. God said in the Quran, in Surah Al-Dhariyat, which is chapter number 51, ayah number 56, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And I did not create the unseen beings and the human beings, but to worship me. So number one, worship. The second task is da'wah, or calling upon others to do good and to stay away from doing evil and to show gratitude and love and obedience to their creator, to worship their creator as well with us. God said in the Quran, in Surah An-Nahl, which is Surah uh, chapter number 16, sign number 125. Call to the way of your Lord with wisdom and good admonition. You see, everything I say will be supported today with evidence. Quran or uh, uh, authentic uh, hadith. Because, and that's what makes Islam so strong. That anything that is not supported by evidence, you don't have to take it. Don't let anyone play with your mind. So, Allah commanded us in the Quran, call to the way of your Lord with wisdom and good admonition. Which means that when you call upon people to do what's good and call upon them to stay away from evil, call them in a nice way, in a peaceful way. And do not force anyone to do what's against his own or her own will. Just use wisdom and be eloquent. The third task uh, in your job description is or developing the earth. Your task as the boss of this world is to, de to, to develop it, not to destroy it. God said in Surah Hud, which is chapter number 11, sign number 61, Allah says, he initiated you from the earth and assigned you to develop it. And that was the booster of the early generations of Muslims, which made them the pioneers in every branch of science in the golden age of Islam because they did not take the Quran's words for amulets. They took it seriously. And the Quran here tells us clearly that God has commanded us to develop the earth. Ista'mara. Alif sin ta. Plus the verb in Arabic language means asking the verb. Istaghfara. Asking maghfira. Asking ghufran. Asking forgiveness. Istakhraja. Asking extraction. Istamara, asking imar, asking development. God is asking us to develop. The fourth task is to establish justice on earth. God did not appoint a boss to be a tyrant, but rather to establish justice and defend the oppressed by all possible means, even if he had to go to combat. But it has to be for just cause, for a just cause. God said in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa, which is chapter number four, um, An-Nisa means women. The, the chapter is called the women. Uh, sign number 75. God said, وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْمُسْتَضْعَفِينَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ وَالنِّسَاءِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ وَالْوِلْدَانِ It means in English, And what is the matter with you? That you do not combat in the way of Allah and for the ones deemed weak and oppressed among men and women and children. 
So those are the four main tasks that the Quran is telling us. After telling us our job as Khalifa told us that the four main tasks are to worship God, to call others to worship God and be good, and to develop the earth and to establish justice and defend the oppressed. Is there anything better than that? Now let's go back to Ahmed. He now understood his job and his tasks for his job description as a sports medic and it's explained to him also his tasks that he has to tend to anyone injured in the stadium, whether a player or a referee or someone from the audience. And explaining this to him, it explained the purpose of his existence in the stadium. It also explained to him that um, uh, what exactly to do. But still, his confusion, though it definitely decreased so much, but still is anxious because he, he still has questions about his ability to perform this job. And if there is any compensation in return. Uh, so the third card told Ahmed about the bag in his hand, that it contains medical tools like first aid scissors, iPads, bandages, alcohol-free wipes, uh, stretch fabric plasters, uh, eye wash solution. He has everything he needs to perform his job. The same thing is in the Quran, telling you about the tools God gave you to be the boss on earth and to perform your task as a Khalifa successfully. The first tool, is mentioned in the story of the creation of Adam, which is the most important story in the Quran because Adam represents the human being. Adam represents all of us, men and women. God spoke about this tool in Surah Al-A'raf, which is chapter number seven, sign number 11. God said, ثم قلنا للملائكة اسجدوا لآدم فسجدوا إلا إبليس لم يكن من الساجدين. Then we said to the angels, prostrate to Adam. So they prostrated, but not Iblis. He was not of those who prostrated themselves. The first tool you have as a human being in Korea or in Canada, or in Egypt, or anywhere in the world, the first tool you have is the prostration of the angels to Adam. I'm sure you are all wondering now, how can that be? What do I get from a prostration that happened thousands of years ago, or tens of thousands of years ago, or maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago? What do I do with this prostration? How can this be a tool for me to perform my tasks? To understand this, you need to know who are the angels. The angels are those who manage the laws of physics. They run the nature. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, told us that there is an angel for the wind and an angel for the rain and an angel for the mountains, etc. So if the managers who manage the nature have prostrated for you because Adam represents us. So if the managers who manage the nature prostrated for us, then it means that God, the creator of the world has subjected the whole world for us. The nature is there to serve us and to help us in performing our tasks. God said in Surah Al-Jathiyah, which is chapter number 45, sign number 13. 
and he has subjected to you whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth. Therefore, none of us can come on judgment day and say, oh God, I'm sorry, but I could not do some of my tasks as a Khalifa because mm, the oxygen wasn't enough. No, that's not true. The oxygen was sufficient because the angels prostrated to Adam or for Adam. None of us can come on judgment day and say, oh God, I'm sorry because I could not perform one of my tasks because the force of gravity was too strong that I couldn't lift my foot or it was uh, too, uh, too weak that I used to fly every time I lift my foot. No, that's not true. The force of gravity was exactly what you needed. Everything was helping you to do your tasks, except what I warned you from. Iblis, who represents racism, hatred, arrogance. Iblis represents the forces of evil. Only the forces of evil will not help you to do your tasks. Iblis is the one who refused to submit and to prostrate. And he is the one whom God warned us from. When Iblis refused to prostrate to Adam, he said, I am better than him. You created me from fire and you created him from clay. I am white and he is black. <laughs> I am European and he is Arab. I am Arab and he is Indian. Isn't it the same? I am from fire and he is from clay. Therefore, the original sin, the very first sin ever committed is not the sin of Adam, not a fruit that was eaten from a tree. It's true that he sinned this sin. But it's not the very first sin. You can't consider it the original sin. But rather, the original sin is racism. It is, the, it is the sin of Iblis, the sin of Satan. It's racism. It's when you see yourself better than the others because of your race, your color, your sex. And racism will never allow you to develop the earth. Racism is destructive, is a force of destruction. You cannot be racist and just. You cannot be racist and establish justice on earth. So that's the number one tool, the prostration of the angels for Adam, that we keep reading, but we don't understand what it means, what it symbolizes. It symbolizes that all the nature is subjected to us to help us. Any more tools? rather than um, the suitable laws of nature? Yeah, God said in Surah Al-Baqarah, which is chapter number two, sign number 31 and 32, that he gave Adam an ability to learn that no one else has, including the angels. God says in Surah Al-Baqarah, وعلم آدم الأسماء كلها ثم عرضهم على الملائكة فقال أنبئوني بأسماء هؤلاء إن كنتم صادقين قالوا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم And he, Allah, taught Adam the names, all of them. Then he presented them to the angels and said, inform me of the names of these, if you are truthful. They said, highly exalted be you. We have no knowledge except what you have taught us. Indeed, it is you who are the all-knowing, the all-wise. Many creatures have the ability to learn but not like human beings. People teach dogs to sit. When they tell them sit, they sit. 
So they teach them. Uh, they teach, you know what? I know people who can teach dogs to shake hands with people when they tell them to do that. Here, let me show you a picture of that. Uh, I think I had a picture of a dog shaking hands one day. I can't find it now. Anyway, so uh, they, when they tell them shake hands, the dog sits on their back limbs and stretches a forelimb to shake hand with a person. So we also teach dogs to hunt. So this means that dogs learn. That's true. But not one dog teaches its puppies. Always a human being teaching the dogs. But we as human beings learn from each other. We learn from uh, the previous generations, which makes our knowledge accumulate. Every generation learns from the generation before it. And we continue to research and develop quickly. A hundred years ago, we were celebrating the invention of the trains which move with steam power. That was a hundred years ago. 10 years ago, we celebrated having a vehicle moving on planet Mars and sending us pictures and information. This development is the outcome of the God-given tool learning which, uh, of learning, which is uh, 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 given only to the human beings. Even the angels don't have this tool. The accumulative learning, learning quickly and, and uh, from each other. The third tool that God gave to the human being is freedom. The human being is a decision maker, which is a strong tool, but a dangerous one. Because it means that the human being can freely take right or wrong decisions. So he needs guidance in order to take uh, uh, the right ones and not hurt people. But it is an important tool for the boss of the earth. God said in Surah Ash-Shams, which is chapter number 91. By the inner self and he who formed it, then inspired it, its own wickedness and its own mindfulness of God. Surely successful is the one who has purified it and surely failing is the one who has stunted it. Which means that it is the human being who decides whether to do right or to do wrong. He is the decision maker. Nearly all the questions now are answered except one. Why would I do all that? And you know what? In the movie, in the, in the, in the clip we saw, Ahmed had the same uh, question. He wondered if there is any type of compensation for his efforts and sacrifices. And the last card had this nice note. Your compensation is 2,000 pounds and a new edition ball signed by famous footballers. But you get that after the match, which makes sense because one is usually paid after accomplishing his duties and, and, and not before. Do we have the same message in the Quran sent to us after performing our tasks as the uh, Khalifa on earth? We get anything for the effort and sacrifices we made? Yes, of course. God said in Surah At-Tawbah, sign number 111. Inna Allah ashtara min al-mu'minina anfusahum wa amwalahum bi-anna lahumul jannah. Allah said, Allah has indeed purchased from the believers 
their very selves and their wealth for which they shall give they shall have the garden of paradise as a reward so after you are done with your job in this life you are rewarded with paradise in the hereafter after the match and there must be a hereafter because the all wise creator who created all of this must hold people accountable. Those who were nice and kind and helpful, but they were never thanked, must come back to life one day and be rewarded, while those who oppressed and killed and stole and tortured others must come back to life and be punished if they were not punished before. So they must get back and be punished. So your expectations must be set right. Not because you are doing your job properly in this life, then you will definitely get a reward in this life. No, not necessarily. You may get something in this life and you may not. And believe me, you don't want to get your reward fully in this life because the real reward is in the hereafter. Here in this life, we live a life for a short while, 60, 70, 80 years, or a bit more, or a bit less, while life in the hereafter is eternal. Not billions or trillions of years, eternal. Allah said in Surah Al-Ankabut, He said, وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهْوٌ وَلَعِبٌ وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ Surah Al-Ankabut is chapter number 29. This earlier life is nothing but a distraction and a game. And indeed, the home of the hereafter is truly the perennial life. If they only knew everything in this dunya, which is the earlier life, is nothing compared to what is in the life of the hereafter. The joy in paradise is incomparable to any joy in this life. And the pain in hellfire is incomparable to any pain in this life. The eternal reward is what you want. And my American friend told me, this is why I chose Islam, because it guided me and comforted me. It comforted me with the answers to my questions. Before Islam, people saw me drinking and dancing and clubbing, but I wasn't happy. They don't know that I used to drink so that I can go back to home and sleep because these questions were driving me crazy and were depressing me. I used to drink in order to laugh. Now I can laugh when I'm sober, which is a ni'mah, a gift from God, from Allah, that you guys never thought of because you were born Muslim. He's speaking to me because you were born Muslim and you never drank in your life. So you don't know what it means not to be able to laugh except if you drink. And with that, I close my talk and open the floor for your questions. Any question? I'm turning on the volume. Yes. So your questions? Yeah, first question is uh, from random participants. Question is how to make sure that Islam is the best religion than other religions, Christianity or Jews? Okay, that's a very good question, actually. First of all, if you believe in Tawheed, Tawheed is the belief in the one God, the one true God. There must be only one God, and let's have a consensus together on this because there can be more than one God. If there is more than one God, 
then therefore uh, they need each other. And this means that there is a God that needs and God does not need. And if they don't need each other and bo both of them are strong, then, th then there is a God that is needless, that we don't need him. Then there, and also God has to be needed. So there must be always a one God. One God and one humankind. You cannot be a racist if you're a Muslim. So you have to believe that men are not better than women if you want to be Muslim. That whites are not better than blacks. That Arabs are not better than Indians. That Koreans are not better than Vietnamese. You have to believe that there is only one God and one humankind. If there's only one God and one humankind, why would anyone same thing that the same God will send to the same humankind because he's the same sender and the same recipient? Different messages. To confuse them, then it was never religions with an S. It was always one religion. Not the religion of Muhammad. And not the religion of Jesus. And not the religion of Moses. But rather the religion of God. Allah. In Arabic. Allah in Hebrew. God with a capital G in English. And this one God sent the same message through ages, once with Muhammad, 600 years before him with Jesus, son of Mary, and a thousand years before him with Moses, and a thousand years before him with uh, 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 Abraham, and a thousand years before him with Noah, and, and, the, and, and so on. So it was always one religion. In order for this religion to be suitable for everyone, it has to be pure. You know what? What's the only thing that can be offered to you without asking you? You know what? If I want to offer you coffee, I have to ask you, uh, do you drink coffee? Because maybe you don't drink coffee. Or uh, would you like to have tea? Do you drink tea? You may not drink tea. Maybe you don't drink tea. That's the only thing that is put in front of you without asking you is water. Right? Did anyone ever ask you, if you drink water or not, you're laughing. Yeah? Some of you are smiling, I see. Yeah? Why? Why are you smiling? What makes it a funny question? What's the difference between water and tea and coffee? A big difference. Water is not just a liquid like tea and coffee. No, water has no color. Water doesn't smell anything. Water... Uh, uh, does not taste salty or sweet, tastes neutral. That's why we all drink water. The religion that is sent to all humanity, whites and blacks and men and women and Arab and Indians and Koreans, has to be like water, pure. It cannot be called after someone or else it will be limited. Buddhism after Buddha, Christianity after Christ, mm, limited. Uh, it cannot be named after uh, a group of people or a tribe. Judaism after Judas, the, the tribe of Judas. Uh, it cannot be named after a geographic region. Hinduism after Hind, India. Islam is not called after anyone. The whole world knows how much Muslims love Prophet Muhammad so much. But it's very offensive to call a Muslim Muhammadan. In Europe here. They used to offend Muslims by calling them Muhammadans. We love him, but it's, it's offensive because we are not Muhammadans. We are Muslims like him and like Jesus and like Moses and like Abraham. Islam means what? Complete submission for the will of God. Watch, I have this actually explained properly in a documentary called Islam in Brief. So when you go now to the market and you look at the religions that exist, compare them with a quick glance. It's Islam that will attract your eye with its purity, with, its, with, the, with the things that make sense in, in the beliefs and so on. So the next question. Welcome. Any any other question? Yeah, it's from 
are sending some questions. There is a second question. Let me read it out. The question is, Prophet Muhammad Muslims will, will divide more than uh, 70 groups, all in hell except one. So how to distinguish the right uh, group, right? Aqidah of Islam or... Well, this, this hadith of the 70 groups is a famous hadith, but it's not authentic, by the way. It's not authentic, and people keep saying it. And let's, con let's consider that it's, a, it's, it's an authentic hadith, and it's right that he really said it. Let's, let's just assume that, okay? This doesn't mean that the schools of thought are considered groups. No, all of the schools of thought of the Sunni Muslims or people who believe in the one true God, in I have the right aqidah that Prophet Muhammad is the last and final prophet. This is within that group. And we love all the Sahaba of Prophet Muhammad. We don't hate, our religion is not based on hatred to anyone. If we do that, then you are from the right group. You can have a different way of thinking about interpretations of the names of Allah. This doesn't make you outside the group. Okay? But uh, actually, this hadith is not authentic as people think. People, it's, it's a famous one. Okay. Well, I have um, uh, uh, a YouTube channel, which is the one that you were watching from it now. It's called Bridges Foundation Channel. This one has over 2,600 or 700 videos now so far. Many of them are in English. So if you go to the sections of the channel, go to the home, um, home, home uh, page of that channel, there are sections. The first section is Arabi, Tadabur al-Quran. It has like over 1,800 videos. The second section is English. It has about 50, at least uh, 50 playlists. Some playlists, like the names of Allah, has over about 60 videos in some playlists. And most playlists are about 10 videos and so on. Uh, but go, there's a section in which there's a lot. And among them is the Islamophobia uh, uh, lectures. You will find it there, inshallah. Actually, there are TV episodes, actually. And they are very important. And anyway, I will send you also a, a link to them. You're welcome. You so You're welcome. That was all the questions from participants. Thank you very much. We are in Korea, Pusan Muslim Student Federation, and uh, I have my personal one question. Let me ask it. With some racism in Korean society, as Muslim has to do Darwa, which should be first? Solving racism or doing Darwa? Ah, okay. Fighting racism is a type of doing dawah. And I think you have seen how I handled this about the original sin. Because many people think that the original sin is the sin of Adam. No, the very first sin is the sin of Iblis, the sin of Satan. And it is actually not a fruit that he ate from any tree. No, it was racism. He said, Ana minhu. I am better than him. Why? Because I'm from fire and he's from clay. I am white and he's black. I am Korean and he is Arab. And, or he's Pakistani. So that's racism. Thinking yourself better because of your color, your race, or sex, or the, what you eat, what you speak, your language. So fighting racism is a type of da'wah. You, you don't want someone racist to become Muslim, by the way. So you can link both of them when you speak. And you say that 
So if you believe that the original sin is racism, because what did God say to, to Satan after that? Get out from paradise. You cannot act arrogantly here because arrogance, his arrogance was based on racism, which means that in Islam, racism is the original sin and racists have no place in paradise. And this is the message that can uh, reform the world today. Why do people fight and go to war and stuff like that? They do that because they dehumanize the others. They think the others are not human. They don't even deserve to live. So that we can go and kill them for their resources, to take their petroleum. That's not allowed in Islam. In Islam, war is haram, except if it's striving for the cause of Allah, which is war for a just cause, only for a just cause only to defend the oppressed. Whether it's you are defending yourself or others, but it has to be there. There must be someone oppressed that you are defending. That's, that's amazing. And all this, by the way, I made three documentaries. One of them is called Jihad on Terrorism, explaining the concept of jihad and the concept of terrorism and explaining that jihad is not terrorism. Actually, jihad is the war on terrorism. But the real war on terrorism, not war for oil and claiming to be war on terrorism. So these are three documentaries that I really wish that you guys can watch. And the third one is about women. And it's called Islam in Women. Not women in Islam. Islam in Women. And it is, it's, a, it's a documentary that explores the perplexing question. We all know that the biggest con co uh, misconception about Islam is that it, it's a, a religion that oppresses women. That's very famous about Islam. The biggest propaganda against Islam. So why then most converts are women? 75% in this country, in, I'm, I'm talking to you from the UK, 75% of the converts are women, according to a study made by Cambridge University. 97% of the converts in Hong Kong are women. 90% of the converts in Mexico are women. What is more attractive for women than men in Islam? If it's a religion that oppresses women, it should attract more men, not more women in order to enter Islam and oppress women inside it. <laughs> but that's not the case. Amazing stuff. I'm not going to burn the movie for you, but you have to watch it. Amazing. Women are attracted for the concept of freedom that Islam is giving them. Islam frees women from men, from being tools of enjoyment, from being objectified and used by men. Hijab is, don't look at it as an, a, a restriction on women. No, look at it as a protection for women. And many things about women, if you just need to change your glasses, if you change your glasses, you see the same thing, but differently. Well, bless you. Barakallah.